Hello, everyone. It's me, Nicholas, and you're listening to Elitist Anthropology. I hope you really, really enjoyed our last episode last week and that you've been having a great summer so far. Today, we have a really interesting guest. There's so much to say about him, but the most important thing is that we have the same name. Hello, Nicholas. Hello, Nicholas. <laughs> <laughs> that is the most important thing. That is yeah. so much fun. Okay, so uh, Nicholas and I, uh, he's Nick. I'm, I'm, I'm also Nick, but for the sake of this episode, I'm going to refer to you as Nick. Okay, yeah. And you can call me Nicholas. I, you're, you're more Nicholas. I feel like you own that, the, that version of the name more than I do. You know, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I was actually in a, I took a class one time and there was three Nicholases and a Nicole. Oh, and geez. so we <laughs> had to go like Nicholas, Nick, Nico, and Nikki. Oh, So the okay. teacher could tell us apart. All right, all right. Uh, but that's all ancient history now. So Nick and I went to school together. Um, Nick is from New York. Mm. Nick um, used to work in big tech world, and yes. he doesn't anymore. No. Nick is really, really cool. That's very sweet of you. Yeah, <laughs> and I like him, but <laughs> that's how I would describe you. How would you describe yourself, Nicholas? Oh, fuck, I did it. Oh, Nick. yeah. Um... How would I describe myself? Uh, I guess, yeah, I, you know, uh, that, that was a pretty good description right there. Uh, I live in LA. Um, mm-hmm. I run uh, an independent record label that I started last August. Um, I've, I've been doing like music stuff for three or four years now, but this is the first like sort of like um, real venture that I've gone on. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, prior to that, the big tech stuff, worked yeah. at Spotify um, as a data scientist for a few years. And then I studied like data uh, and and stuff at, in, in college at NYU. Do you still I, remember how to write SQL? Uh, yeah, I, I do. Um, <laughs> I think I haven't had to in a while, but I'm sure if you like asked me to, to do mm-hmm. something, I would still be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was actually when I interviewed for the job at, uh, at Spotify. Um, I, I originally interviewed for uh, an internship there and mm-hmm. I had put on my resume that I knew SQL without knowing SQL. Mm. And in the interview, all that, it, the only thing that you, came wait, up, wait, wait, wait. you put on your resume that you could write in SQL, you couldn't write in SQL at that time, but then you applied for a data science internship. Well, because I knew, I knew, uh, I knew Python. Like okay. The other, all right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Shout out so, to <laughs> so I was like, I have that, like, I, you know, I, my awareness of SQL was that like, it's not too, too hard. It's like, not, yeah. So I was just kind of like, okay, I'll like, you know, it was a kind of like a, when I applied, I was like, there's no way I'm, I didn't think I was even going to get to that stage, but mm-hmm. I did. And, and so when they asked, like when it came up, like I, you know, normally there's like uh, a, a technical, like you have to do like a ex- yeah, coding challenge or something. Yeah. But um, for that, they like, literally just asked me, oh, so you know SQL? And I was like, yes, I do. And then that, <laughs> that was, uh, they, they gave me the coding challenge and I, mm-hmm. I was able to do it in like uh, in Python. So, um, but then when I got to the job, I was like, mm-hmm. the, <laughs> I, thankfully I had taken like when I, when they asked me that, I was like, okay, I'm going to take a course before like, before, yeah, I, yeah. before I actually start the internship. And when I got to the internship, it was like, like it was like Only. 80 percent yeah. sequel pretty much like yeah, i was like oh yeah. shit like because even like even in snowflake you write in sequel right well i snowflake is like the amazon like or yeah, product yeah, yeah. or whatever yeah i don't uh, i mean i most any any like database like that's typically kind of like i feel like ground zero in terms of uh what, what you start with um to interact with that so yeah um but 
it was uh yeah, I was I was just surprised at how lax they were about it given mm-hmm. how big of a piece of the <laughs> of the job that it was. They was just like, yeah, as long as the guy tells me that yeah. he can like, you know, it's it's fine. But yeah. Sick. Sick. Anything else we should know about you? Your favorite color? Do you have a dog? Uh no dog. We have a cat. Don't really have uh, a favorite I guess favorite color just kind of changes, you know. It's kind of yeah. like um right now me I, I, I like greens, I, I think. Mm, green is good. I like green because it's kind of like uh, I remember growing up that was like my favorite color because mm-hmm. I was like I thought this was like I was like this is like a cool color. Yeah. And then I think after a while being like sort of uh I don't know just just like um I was like very into like the uh Green is like a man, you know. It's like a boy's color, I suppose, is, is in, in a, a gender binary color? world. Uh, I feel like because it, like, it's a cooler color related yeah, to blue. I could, you know? I could see that. I could see that. So I was like, oh, green like, is boy coded. Yeah, I would think. I would think more, more so than. But then I was like, oh, so I like, I was like reds and yellows and everything. But then I was mm-hmm. like, no, back to green, like cool mm-hmm. colors again. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Very cool. I really like green. I've noticed. Like, I was looking at my IG feed the other day. And I realized there was like mm. a heavy presence of green. Yeah, yeah. I don't actively think of green as my favorite or as a as a favorite color or top tier color, because it's like I don't necessarily love to look at green, but I realize like I like to wear a lot of green. Mm. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if I when I start when I started doing the doing the data science and and really analyzing things. Yeah, you were. Yeah, <laughs> that a was lot of green trend was coming up. That, yeah. yeah. My okay. favorite color though is blue. Oh, all right. Well, that's yeah. that works out for the for the uh, the single yeah, cover. That's though, why I like right? it so much. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, like I don't know something about it. It's just it's yeah. Just really good. No, I do like the. I really like those colors that we ended up with. Yeah, yeah. By this time, by the time this comes out, the album should be out. But we'll talk about that more later. Cool, cool. All right. Um, how are you today? I'm doing well. Yeah. Um, it's been a a nice Friday. Just uh, it was kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, woke up around six and um, just been bouncing around doing a couple of things mm-hmm. uh, at home. Are you a morning person? Um, yeah, yeah. I feel better about myself and my days when I get up early. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like if I wake up at nine, I'm just like, damn it. You know, I'm like, I already lost so much. Like, yeah. I, Have I, you always I just been feel, that way? Um, no, I, I mean, I feel like only since maybe, um, probably like after college, maybe Mm -hmm. is when I was, became more of a morning person. Actually, really, I think it was probably COVID that like, Mm. that I, if I'm, if, yeah, I really started noticing that. What were you getting up to go do? I think it was more so just like the needing some sort of semblance of routine mm. to like make it through a period where there just wasn't anything yeah. going on, you know? Yeah. So I was like, okay, if I just get uh, generally, I noticed I would feel better about myself if yeah. I if I had like a nice like open morning. I really believe in get the hell up ideology. Yeah, yeah. Me, no, me too. I'm a big, well. I'm a big proponent of that. Oh, I'm like, all right. If I'm gonna, if I'm up, like, I should just like get out of bed. Like, there's no. Mm-hmm. I feel like the the returns that you get of just staying in bed when you're like half asleep, half mm-hmm. not, are just like not worth it. Yeah, yeah. Rem only or nothing at all. Rem only. And how did you get here today? I drove. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Took our. Uh, we 
like the one of the first things we did when we moved here a year and a half ago uh sylvia and i was lease a car and so we've, mm-hmm. we've been driving a little subaru hatchback for well i've been driving our subaru hatchback yeah for the past uh for that amount of time do you like subaru yeah I, that was the i don't believe you though. you sound very non-committed to that no, I I do I do like it. Um, I'm very used to driving it. Um, mm-hmm. That was a car that I actually originally learned to drive on. Then I mm-hmm. spent some time driving uh, my mom's Lexus in mm-hmm. high school, and then my dad got us like an old Subaru, and then we mm-hmm. drove. I drove that for the next like until oh, so you're basically like a, until you're we like came a lifer. Here. Almost. My mom is. You know what it is? Is my mom is a lifer. My mom really mm-hmm. likes Subaru. That's why they, we had the Subaru that I trained on mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, we also had a Subaru growing up. Um, so I feel like yeah. there's so many things like that, that like we inherit from our parents. Like, yeah, you know, the types just... of cars you like, the bank you bank with. Mm. Like, yeah, yeah. I actually just cut ties with the bank that I bank with cause they're, they're oh, like, really? they're only based in upstate New York. So oh. I was just starting to get like, I was, th- I was with them because they had like, uh, the account that I had mm-hmm. was no ATM fees anywhere, mm. uh, but only until I was 25. So, you know, <laughs> turning 26 this year uh-huh. and I started being like, just get like, you know, like, yeah. yeah. So I was like, this isn't worth it anymore. So, yeah. 25, but. I feel is such an arbitrary number. I recently <laughs> re- I rented a car and I had to pay more because I was not 25. Yeah. I I've, like, I've never gotten that what's one. The, what's the deal? It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. I know. No. But anyway, that's a nice segue. I, I want to talk about what it was like in upstate New York. Sure. Um, in the last episode, we had someone else who from upstate New York. He was from Binghamton. Okay. Um, but yeah. he talked about Binghamton as a sort of um, like almost like a first outpost of New York City. There's so he said there's like a lot of um, people like when they're moving out, if they're not going to Westchester, mm. they're going to go to Binghamton. Maybe. Yeah, so yeah. it didn't have even though it was the suburbs because there was university there and also yeah. because there were so many people from the city and who were going back and forth from the city. a totally. lot. Um, it didn't feel particularly um, secluded. Yeah. But you're from way up north. Well, yeah. Yeah. More than Binghamton. I'm like three hours straight shot north of New York. Mm. Um, the what, city. Yeah. What was it like to grow up in uh, Albany? Yeah, I, I mean, grew up in a suburb of Albany, um, and it was nice. You know, very idyllic. I feel like it was a good, good place to grow up. Very safe. Um, mm-hmm. Nothing really going on uh, mm-hmm. either. Like, there's nothing you know really to to get into. I suppose. Yeah. Um, but plenty of like parks and green space and um you know like you can bike around everywhere pretty easily mm-hmm. so i think uh i think that all makes for like it was it was very easy to like stay close with friends and and, and do things pretty yeah. regularly um especially in like high school and things so yeah when nice you time. left was it like a all right see y'all later or, or do you did you feel like oh damn like paradise i didn't um no no i certainly wasn't like paradise but i didn't resent the place that mm-hmm. i was from or anything i wasn't like god oh, like i can't believe i'm stuck here kind mm-hmm. of thing um but i knew that i knew like from a pretty early age like that i was gonna end up in new york at some point mm-hmm. um like it was a it was a dream to go to nyu i think like when i was like 12 or something so mm. i and and that was mainly because i was like how do i get to new york city the fastest like what's like the first like opportunity i can get down there yeah um and so the, you know i knew i was going to college and that's why but uh so yeah i don't know i was just always 
I, I think again, like the fact that where I grew up didn't have anything like there just wasn't any, like everything closed at nine, you know, and the mm-hmm. stuff that was around there was also like, it's all like chains, like big box arenas mm-hmm. stuff. So I was like, I want to go somewhere where there's just something else mm-hmm. happening. Yeah. Essentially. Um, Do you feel like when you got to New York that it was like what you had uh, imagined it to be? Um, oh geez. It's tough to recollect. I, I was, there, I, I mean, there definitely wasn't any like period of like demystification, you know? So mm-hmm. I don't think I actually really came in with a ton of like preconceived notions of what it was yeah. uh, or what it was going to be like. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like maybe in like a vague area of my mind, I was like Times Square, but like it obviously <laughs> was not that. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was very happy that it wasn't that as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I, uh. No, I, I was like, I think, I think I, I took it in as being very like, oh, so this is what this is like. Mm. You know, there wasn't like, there wasn't like a, a dashing of, of expectations that yeah. happened. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Mm. So you're in New York and then, you know, time goes by, things change. Time goes by. <laughs> Eventually you and I actually, we moved to LA at like the same time. In yeah. Yeah. 2021. Funny. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about LA? I like LA. Um, yeah, I, um, I like, uh, I, I feel like, you know, being here the, for yeah, the 18 months I've been here so far, mm-hmm. um, have really come to appreciate it for what it is, mm-hmm. um, versus for what it's not, mm-hmm. um, which I feel like I was doing kind of at the beginning was like, oh, this is not New York. You know, like, this is this is different than that. Um, yeah, that was like the only lens that I was viewing it through. But now I think mm-hmm. I what I really enjoy about the place is that there's just so many different centers. Uh, say more. Yeah, huh? I said say more. Like there's just like uh, you have like downtown LA, right? Yeah, and then but then you over you have like. Um, you have like West Hollywood, and then you have further west. You have you have like Venice and Santa Monica and the beach and stuff. Yeah. Then if you go like you're here in Burbank, totally different feel as well. Yeah. You know, um, mm-hmm. and you have neighborhoods like that in New York, but because everything is so much more connected, it mm-hmm. makes it so that I think things are a lot more centrally located around like Manhattan or maybe like, you know, I suppose like Williamsburg and yeah, it, Burg. in terms of like uh, wealth certainly, but then mm-hmm. obviously like co- uh, commerce congregates around wealth so yeah um with here i feel like because there's all these different centers and they're all pretty spread out from one another they Mm -hmm. develop their own unique characters Mm -hmm. um that are very much more distinct uh from each other than like individual Mm -hmm. neighborhoods in in in, um in new york perhaps so do you feel that living in la is is bringing out different aspects of your personality than new york did um yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think being more of a uh, being more of a homebody, or just being a bit more like um, introverted here, um, mm-hmm. is is one thing, which is nice. Um, I think I was like, uh, it, there's just always pressure to like go out and do things in New York. I think yeah, it's like there's just something always happening. Yeah, and it's so easy to get to that. It's like or typically that it's like well, mm-hmm. why wouldn't i yeah you know yeah. and so with here it's like uh that's that's a 45 minute drive there and then a 45 minute drive back i don't think i'm doing that thing. <laughs> i think i'm thinking, I'm thinking I'm pop myself on the couch you know and yeah. so 
Um, yeah, I think staying at home. And then um, I also think like being a morning person, I don't think mm-hmm. I may be like, uh, I don't think I would have kept that up if I moved back to like the, the city post post like, mm. pandemic. Um, but here, I think like the way the city is structured, it allows you to like move at your own pace um, yeah. a little more. Um, yeah. That's so interesting. I think that's really true. Actually, when I was, when I had moved to New York, it was like a year after it was a summer. I met this girl at a fencing class and she was, uh, like a wardrobe costume, costume designer, costume director, something like that. And she had just moved from LA and I was like, you know, why'd you move? And she was like, I just was so tired of like heat and traffic being like the gods of my life and like making sure. decisions for me the heat not so much i would imagine anymore because i don't know it was cold today like i know you came a, you came in a cold week but i think it's been like the the i feel like i've been seeing way more like damn at least cold it's raining like this whole yeah, it's yeah been the a, vibe has shifted a little bit i mean my second winter here but like yeah it was definitely a lot colder this winter than last one yeah like i remember even when yeah when i was here in the winter like we were still going swimming every single day up until <laughs> because Dece- I, I wanted I left like December 18th I was I remember being at the pool on December 16th <laughs> yeah but I feel like this year that yeah was that, not was not, the, that was not that was not happening cards. that was yeah um, yeah do you feel by coastal oh uh, yeah no no I don't I feel like I live in LA mm-hmm. you know um, yeah. obviously like go back a couple times a year to the east coast to visit um, mm-hmm. friends and family but yeah. I feel like, uh, yeah, like this is this is home, mm-hmm. you know, for for now. Yeah. yeah, very cool. Can you tell me about your style? <laughs> um, I mean, like, like, uh, just like, like what I wear and things. What you wear? Yeah. Why you wear it? How do you put together a fit? Just walk with me. Well, yeah, I think that was like always been pretty interested in clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, always been like pretty interested in putting together outfits. Um, you know, I think it was like a long journey in terms of figuring out like what it was I wanted to wear. I think I started like wanting to wear just like anything that was different. Like mm-hmm. it, it, this in high school, like anything that like other people weren't wearing. What was like the trends when you were in high school? Oh, I mean, it was just like, you know polo uh mm-hmm. shirt like a north face jacket in the winter like um and khakis and okay and, and you know uh, maybe like jordans or or okay. something not that stuff's like you know i mean all together maybe not but like mm-hmm. individually i i like all of those things but yeah. uh yeah um so i find i kind of just like i was just like any all right not that but still like kind of that because you couldn't be couldn't be too far left with it otherwise you get you get bullied yeah um, <laughs> i was always trying to not not get <laughs> yeah. not get bullied as well uh-huh. um but yeah i think then coming to new york and like just getting a wider understanding i had a friend who bought and sold um designer clothing still does mm-hmm. and still friend um and through him kind of got an awareness of like high fashion mm-hmm. and then but, you know, it was kind of pointless at that point because I was freshman, sophomore college. I like, couldn't afford that. Yeah. Um, but uh, then once I started, like, when I got to the internship, uh, the Spotify internship junior year, I made a little bit of money mm-hmm. and was finally able to start buying some things. So I kind of looked, like, a few tiers below that, Yeah. I guess, yeah. And, and at brands. And, and so then I was just doing a lot of, like, sort of brand following, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, and I still do that, like – 
but what are the brands that are you following now? Oh, now, um, well, uh, I still um, this uh, this sweater I'm wearing is uh, Ora Lee, mm-hmm. which is a very nice uh, Japanese like knitwear mm-hmm. brand that I quite like. Um, I mean, their stuff is. It's kind of like a, you can buy like one item every few years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh wait, for those listening, let me describe it. So the sweater, it's like a black <laughs> sweater. It looks like like oh, well, you said it's knitted, so it's like yarn, cotton. Yeah, and yeah. then it has like a ribbed sleeve. I'm not. Are the yeah, ribbed? yeah. Uh, well, yeah, just the the cuffs. Yeah, um, it's a cuff. It's a ribbed cuff. And then these are corduroy pants. No, no, these are just these are just khakis. Oh, they're khakis. It's like a light cream colored khaki, like an oat milk color. That's like in uh, like a oat, like a darker oatmeal colored sock, and then are those those are not Hoka's? Are they are? No, these are uh, these are the Nike Vimera fives. Um, mm. Yeah, they're uh, kind of a. I, I think they're going to be kind of a, a, a relatively big fashion shoe within within menswear and women's mm-hmm. wear. They they've been doing like uh, men's and women's releases of these this year, but uh, yeah. Um, very cool. Very cool. Has your approach changed here? No, not so much. I feel like I kind of arrived at the approach now is mm-hmm. more so based around just like I, I sort of a so I went through a period of where I was just kind of like I was like, oh, like graduate college, making lots of money. Let me take all this money and spend it on lots of clothes. So I like built up a, a, a closet. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. And now I'm at a point where it's like. Okay, every like few months, maybe I notice something like, oh, I'm getting tired of this piece, want to mm-hmm. swap it out for something else. Yeah. And I'll kind of just have an idea of like maybe a, a particular piece that mm-hmm. I have in mind. Um, and I'll, or so I'll go for that. Or maybe I'll see something through like a store or a brand that I follow that I'm like interested in, in purchasing. Mm-hmm. But it's very like, there's not a lot of like, um, um, there's not a, like a, a lot of like of uh, like oh I'm gonna put together this outfit with this per se. Yeah. I kind of now just like okay the clothes that I have like mm-hmm. I feel confident enough in the quality of each of those pieces mm-hmm. that I can just sort of like mix and match pretty freely any which way mm-hmm. and something nice will will uh, will come out. At the and do you end. find that like your taste in the things that you pick up or are or, or adding to your wardrobe? does the taste shift in fast uh, in fast clicks or kind of slow over time you realize things are shifting? Yeah, definitely over time. I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty, um, I generally like what is, what has sort of stayed true throughout the whole thing is this, uh, I'm pretty into like kind of neutral, not too flashy um, mm-hmm. pieces, you know, like, like, yeah. like again, things that could go well with a lot of other things so mm-hmm. that like, I can just put it in rotation and be like, oh, I can wear mm-hmm. this with that pant now today. Mm-hmm. And like more about the combination of things um, creating difference. Yeah. That's really fascinating, Nick. <laughs> Fa- vacillating? That's vacillating. really fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> That's really fascinating. I think the way that people get dressed is like very interesting. Yeah. 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 It really is. It like, says so much about you. Like, do you plan or do you just like wake up and like let it happen? Mm-hmm. Do you collect, do you collect clothes on purpose or do you collect clothes by accident? I found that I'm kind of an, a by accident collector. Yeah. Like the yeah. things that I, the things that I actually keep up with and carry with me more often than not are things that I just kind of randomly acquired and not things that I said, Oh, I want this. I'm putting money aside for this. I'm buying this, those things I'll be sort of like, kind of like fair weather about, but like the free t-shirt I got at a 5k I'll have all of a sudden I'll have forever. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. 
No, that's always cool when you get like a piece that you kind of weren't expecting anything mm -hmm. of. Like it was very, maybe it was like, uh, yeah, like a freebie like that or just yeah. like something you need. Like I need like a white t-shirt now and you Love just, a white t-shirt, you know, you just purchase it yeah. because you, because of the need. And then all of a sudden it's like, this is my favorite thing. In my I have a though. NYU sweater that I bought at the CVS on Washington Square Park. <laughs> I bought it my They sell them at CVS. I don't know if they still do. In in 2018 they did and okay. it was like $17 and I ha I still have it and I still wear it and it's like it's it's so such a bad quality because I bought it from CVS and it's definitely on like its last uh shell of like of like yarn and thread like before like there's like holes oh. or seams bust but it's been on that last life for so long like it's been there for three years and that's, at this point i think that great. it's like not it's not going to break it's like indestructible no the 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 character that a piece of clothing acquires as you wear it is mm -hmm. like that's also that's also really sick to me yeah. yeah yeah that's what i when i'm looking for like um like uh like vintage t-shirts or something mm -hmm. I, I never i don't look so much at like the graphic as much as like the feel quality of like the mm -hmm. of the fabric at that point like the yeah. the wear that it's been through do you do a lot of vintage shopping uh no not not really um i like I, I like to when i get the chance but um yeah not a ton i mean more so mm -hmm. here just because uh the vintage shopping is really good out here um with all yeah, the flea markets and things it is. yeah I got a really dope shirt at Melrose Flea Market a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah, and I still really like it. Yeah. yeah. A lot of cool stuff in the collection out here. But anyway, let's talk about work. <laughs> <laughs> so you used to work in Big Tech. Mm -hmm. um, you don't anymore. Mm -mm. Why? Um, hmm. Well, I think... Um, hmm. Well, I, I, I mean, I left because I really wanted to try something on my own and mm -hmm. to, like, do my own thing, um, try that out. So that was, like, the big impetus for my leaving. Um, I mean, Spotify was, like, uh, when I first got the job and, and for, like, the internship and the first, you know, first probably, like, half a year of being there was, like, a pretty, pretty dream spot to be at. Yeah. Um, something I was, like that I had really strived for in, in undergrad to like mm -hmm. get to. So it was cool. Um, but then just kind of get like, you kind of get demystified with it. You see like, yeah, you know, I mean, these uh, like companies all look really cool. I think from the mm -hmm. outside, like all these perks and yada, yada, mm -hmm. but they, they're subject to the same sort of, um, especially like, the time that I came in at Spotify was they mm -hmm. literally jumped from like 5,000 employees to, mm -hmm. I think like 10,000. Oh, wow. And you just get very like, um, it just gets much more bureaucratic at that level. So like yeah. when I, when I was there as an intern, I was still like, I was like, you know, it was a super wide org chart, but, mm -hmm. but from a, from a level perspective, like I was like three levels below the, the, the CFO of the company. Okay. Which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, but that was, you know, it's because everyone's like doing things in, in parallel and right. like, it's, it's really, really wide. But now, like, as you get more people, like, it becomes mm -hmm. really hard to sustain all that parallelization. Mm -hmm. So you have to start stacking things. So right. by the time I left, I was maybe like, you know, five, six, seven levels. Mm -hmm. So it was like all these people just get added above you. And um, not that I was like, oh, this hurts my chances of like climbing the corporate ladder, but yeah. it also just makes it like, 
what you can do becomes a lot more restricted. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just a lot more kind of BS that you have to put up with because there's, it's all about like communicating up and down the, yeah. the ladder, you know, yeah. like, and, and like, yeah, just, um, so kind of seeing like those, those issues. And then plus like, you know, Spotify, um, I really enjoyed the, the people that I worked with. Um, mm-hmm. I do, I enjoyed the day to day, like, um, work that I was doing there as well. Mm-hmm. But as far as like what the company represents, what it, it, how it, how it perceives itself as, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it's, it's like growth tra- plans to grow mm-hmm. the things like this. I just really didn't, didn't agree with it on, yeah. on the, on that level. Inside so. of, inside of the company, did it feel as though you were working inside of, cause Spotify is based in uh, Stockholm. Yeah. Did yeah. It have a, have a Swedish or a Nordic culture inside of the firm or did they run it sort of, uh, was it, was it run? USA style, if you know what I'm, I'm trying to say. I mean, not being super familiar with like the Nordic, like, <laughs> with, with, with how that would work. <laughs> As you work. know, I'm an expert I, I on the Nordic know. lifestyle. I mean, it was my first job. It was my first job. So uh-huh. it's like, it's tough to say, like compare mm-hmm. to anything. There's nothing really I had to compare to. Um, I will say though, from what I've seen, like outside looking in at, um, at other mm-hmm. big tech companies, I think mm-hmm. that Spotify, like, I think a lot of other big tech, like they do a lot of talking about how much they value their employees and, mm-hmm. you know, like they, they want to take care of you. And like, yeah. this is like, you know, this is, is like, like, uh, there's no work life balance. It's all life, blah, blah, blah. Like, I think mm-hmm. Spotify actually like gives a genuine fuck about the people that are there and, mm-hmm. and does a really good job with like, um, uh, just general HR stuff. Um, yeah. So like, like the fact that Spotify went, was one of like, is as large as it is, um, as, as, um, in the public eye as it is. Mm -hmm. And they were pretty quick to be like, yeah, like, uh, everyone at the company has the option of working remotely, Mm -hmm. um, or in the office, you know, like uh, however you want to structure it. And they just went for it. Mm -hmm. Whereas so many other companies, even at that size, were very hesitant to even to start doing that. Like, I think it's very on like a roll by roll basis still. Yeah. Um, with the overarching thing being like, you should be in the office. Um, yeah. I thought that that was like kind of a clear indication of, you know, a company that is willing to think a little differently than, you know. And so when you were leaving, was there, what came first? Did the desire or what came first in like a, a very active and present sense? Was it the desire to do something else first or the desire to leave first? The desire to do something else. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I always knew, or I don't know about always, but I knew pretty early on that like, I was like, okay, like not going to like, I want, I want an opportunity to like, just um, be my own boss. It wasn't even about that, but it was like, Mm -hmm. it was like, I want to, I have this idea. I want to start this thing. I want to, give my full attention to the music stuff that I had been, was, was still doing at the time. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, you know, eventually that's, that's, that's going to be a thing that, that I do. Yeah. 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 And so now you're on the other side. Mm -hmm. Do you have any thoughts or ideas about the tech industry and the way that it works now that you're free? Um, yeah, I mean, (laughs) I don't, I, I, I do. Yeah. Um, like on a broad perspective, maybe like me, it's difficult to, it's difficult to kind of, kind of say, but, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think, I mean, I think a lot of tech companies are, and I, I feel like, like, kind of this is, this is where most people are at in terms of how they perceive big tech now, which mm -hmm. is, like, you know, growing up, like, they were, like, the coolest places to work, and, like, they were, like, these forces of, like, good and everything, and now it's, like, yeah, yeah these are just, like, these are just fucking companies. Yeah, a job know? is a job <laughs> is a job is a job is a job. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. like, I also think, like, this sort of, like, tech idealism, tech, like, utopianism or whatever if, that, if that's a word um, mm -hmm. like i think i think there's uh, a a a good positive reaction against that stuff yeah. now because um yeah yeah i just think they're it's a lot less like progressive than you than you would imagine it to be um, yeah in terms of how they structure themselves yeah yeah i really think that like all big tech should be banned for a few years <laughs> and then we should like then we can like come back because like you think about like a like facebook facebook twitter fang all these mm. companies they sort of like taken over and really modified the way that the average person lives their life whether it's like how they access information yeah how yeah, they yeah. communicate with other people how they make purchases totally. all these things right but just by the nature of, of how it all went down between like the time of like 1996 to 2016, nobody like got a vote. Like nobody got a say, like nobody ha really had a discussion about mm -hmm, how this is all mm -hmm. going to go. And you know, like even in your house, like if you were going to paint your kitchen, like you would probably talk to like you, you, you would talk to your girlfriend about it. You would talk to the landlord about it. You would say like, okay, like, should we do this? Should we not? And then you, once you decide, yes, we will. Then you have another discussion about like what color it's going to be. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you paint the kitchen and like, yeah, then it like, it changes your life a little bit. It changes your mood. Maybe it changes what you want to eat. Like, it, you know, like changes the function of your house. These technologies have like done all that, but like for everything of how the world works. And there's never been a time to just be like, Hey, like, are we sure we want to do this? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, um, it's interesting because I feel like it's, uh, when you're in it, it feels so, um, this is the only way things could be, mm -hmm. but like, there are obviously like, like endless options in terms of yeah. how things could be. Um, and yeah, it's just very hard to, with the constant, like the way that these the companies sort of constantly like push themselves, mm -hmm. like in, in, to be in front of you. Like, yeah, it's hard to imagine those, those differences. When you started working in big tech, did you go through like a, um, a phase where you were very like rejecting of technology like you know like there's like people at uh what is in what's the ceo of apple's name tim scott tim cook tim cook said he would like never let his kids use an ipad haha <laughs> um I, I no 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 not really um there was a point where i was i was i was not using spotify Mm. Like, uh, yeah, like I was just kind of, I was like only using Bandcamp and, mm. um, just listening to things that I would put on my, yeah. on my phone, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think, but I'm just kind of like, it's not, I don't think it's about ever like, it's just be aware mm. of your usage, you know? Yeah. It's, it's never like, uh, this is bad for you. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, like maybe it's bad for you. Like they're just tools at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. I think that's what I think. I think what frustrates me most about big tech, the big tech mindset is yeah. that it's this idea that like, 
hey, if we build this thing, like mm-hmm. the world's going to change, yeah. you know? And I think you saw this like especially a lot with like with with the whole like Web3 craze last mm-hmm. year where it's like, look, we built all of this like new stuff and it's got these new like paradigms to it. Mm-hmm. Like and so, yeah, like the, the like this is like this is like uh, this is the, the next frontier of the Internet, like and, and we're going to have a more equitable like online existence now mm-hmm. and it's like no you won't because <laughs> because the people using these things and the yeah. people developing them don't have that like they're not they're not that's that's not in there that's that's not what they're being incentivized to do at the end yeah. of the day and um so it's just a this mindset of like okay like we have the right tool and the tool will affect the outcome and it's like yeah. you have a tool you know like what you yeah. do with that tool is totally up to you the person using mm-hmm. it you know so there's just a huge lack of consideration for how these things exist actually within um, people's day-to-day lives and, and, mm-hmm. and, and more broadly. Yeah. Oh, really interesting. So you're done with that. In the, yeah. in the words of Joan Didion, goodbye to all that. Goodbye to all that. Yeah. Let's talk about what you're doing now. Mm. Uh, the first thing that you're doing now is the agile method. I'm doing it. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I saw this question. Yeah, I thought it was so funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like Nick said, Nick runs. Uh, Nick runs an indie label. Um, the indie label is also the label that's putting out my album at this point. It should be out now. Drum and voice. <laughs> go find it wherever you can. Yeah, actually, Everywhere. pause this. Go listen. Go listen now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can yeah, come back there. after you. <laughs> if you um, and I think it's so funny that the way that he runs the, the way that he runs the program is that he uses the agile software development method. If you're not familiar, agile or, or scrum as it's yeah. known is yeah. just this process. I don't know if it started in, in big tech, but it's how most like engineering and engineering, data science, computer software teams, I think even like um, hardware manufacturing teams as well work. Wow. It's a system of how to like under understand, understand tasks allocate labor describe things so that in a way you can have a not a decentralized process but like it's a formalized way of communicating and describing tasks such that you can tell someone to do something one time and they're able to do it and they know when to like come in and check in with you and and how to do everything so you don't have to be like i guess like micromanaging them it's like a it's a it's a thought system Mm -hmm. yeah it's a process um that you use yeah can you tell us about big tent yeah, so uh, Big Tent Records is the name of the label that I started. Um, the it, the name comes from um, the term in politics called Big Tent Parties. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, party that can... Um, uh, uh, what's the word? Accommodate many different ideologies mm-hmm. underneath its, um, its guise. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for the vision with the label is just that, you know, like... Um, it, it, we can have like tons of different genres, um, mm-hmm. tons of different types of artists um, in terms of like where their fan base might be located, how they communicate with them, things like this. Mm-hmm. But that will all align sort of generally on um, these these core values, mm-hmm. um, which really just sort of inform how we how we operate, like mm-hmm. um, and. Um, and, and, you know, we can align on these things, but then have totally different, like, outcomes as a result mm-hmm. of it. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I, 
you know, like the vision is for is to have just just sort of a lot of stuff going on under this mm-hmm. umbrella, but um, and and no clear like we're only one type of thing. And right? is there a reason why you started a label versus like doing management, like you were doing before, being an agent, working in publishing, mm-hmm. like music industry yeah, yeah. is very big. Also, why not go deeper into music technology? Like why why that choice? Music tech's still definitely something I think about. I mean, tech is like, I haven't like, I may have left big tech, but you know, tech, uh, I'm still very interested in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and music tech, uh, especially so, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's just not like a focus area right now. I think mm-hmm. the label, I don't know. I think the, um, the ability to, to, to curate some mm-hmm. sort of, um, collected or collective artistic uh viewpoint mm-hmm. uh was 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 very interesting to me the reason i so i was originally doing music management yeah and i switched to the label how long were you doing that for that was like three years yeah uh-huh. um and so i switched to the label because i so with music management i just felt a little oh, before before you say that can you explain to them like what a manager does and were you, were mm. you, what type of manager were you? Were you a road manager? Were you like a day to day manager? Like, what were you doing? I guess it was all of it because I was the mm. only manager. So, okay. <laughs> um, I mean, we never really toured, so I was never a road manager, but yeah, like day to day. I don't know. I think you're, you're, as a manager, you know, you are, um, you're ideally, um, well, let me, let me, let me think real quick here. You're sort of acting as a um, sounding board for like for for the mm-hmm. artists that you're working with, you know, someone that they can come to with questions. Maybe, you know, most likely not necessarily about the music that they're making, but about yeah. like how could we do this, how could we do that, and then yeah. sort of your job to figure out like okay, how how can we achieve those things? Yeah, um, creating opportunities uh, for the artists as well mm-hmm. um, through like your own like. Just, just you know, meeting people, connections, things like this, um, you know, and then also just sort of like incoming and outcoming communi- outgoing communications. You know, you're kind of in charge yeah. of that. You're the, you're sort of the face of the of the artist to anyone that's like not like a really like close collaborator or friend of them directly, basically. Yeah. You know, so anyone else that wants to do anything with the artist, like you're kind of like the first line of not defense, but just like it's like we're going to talk first before yeah. before you get to talk a vibe to check them. if you will yeah 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 and and yeah so um yeah and i moved uh so i was doing management for a few years and um it was great learning experience i found that for me it was mm-hmm. just it felt a little um restrictive um in what way so i think like as a manager right like you are you're very much tied to what the artist wants to build you know and um i'm totally down for that but when it becomes like sort of the predication of the success of like your career Mm -hmm. i just i didn't really have the um 
the selflessness, I suppose, to mm-hmm. like to to sort of just like to be okay. totally like hooked up. Yeah, like, to like, all right, your dream is my dream, and we're gonna get to that dream, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's like, so I kind of wanted an element where it was like, we're gonna work on like an individual project, mm-hmm. and you're gonna be like for that project, like you're gonna be the visionary, and mm-hmm. and you know, like we're gonna get to a place where, uh, where you want to get to essentially. Mm-hmm. Together, collaboratively, but yeah. still, like you know, you are you're you're the um, you're the biggest voice in the room at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But then we, once that happens, we can say, okay, shake hands, see you later. Yeah, maybe we'll come and do another thing together. But now yeah. I have like an opportunity to say, like, hmm, what did I like about that? What did I not like I about that? And when we can like regroup and and say, oh, you know, like um, maybe I. Maybe this next thing that you bring me, like, I don't really want to be with that. And I have yeah. that flexibility to say, mm-hmm. like, okay, for this one, no. But it's just certainly so in the future. Yeah. So with management, it's like if I was like, oh, I didn't really like this EP that we just did. Mm-hmm. It's like, or that, that we're about to do. I can't mm-hmm. just, like, dip because I'm like, right. I'm your, it's like, if I do that, like, it's like, okay, you have to get, like, a, a, a new, new manager. manager. There yeah, has to be, yeah, like, yeah. continuity there. Yeah. Um, whereas, like, the label, I feel like there's a much more opportunity for me to be, like, Again, that curatorial role of like, mm-hmm. I think this works. I, you know, I don't think yeah. that works. I want to be aligned with this. I don't want to be aligned with this. And then when you're looking just at the music industry as a whole, can you sort of, you know, walk us through what is the, the, what is the, I'm, I want to use the word business case. I'm not sure if that's the right word that I want to use, but what are the sort of like economics of saying, I want to start an indie label. I want to do my own thing versus, either you know going to other smaller imprints or just you know working within the major label system as well well i mean if you're going to do your own thing i think you just have to have like access to money to start up right Mm -hmm. so you know i had i had saved up money um and and that's that's how i'm funding the business right now because like yeah like you just it's just hard to make money in music um, yeah. outside of the guise of a, of a, a major um, or like a, a, a even, you know, it, most, most like established indies, I would say mm-hmm. if you're going to go work for a major, mm-hmm. I think there's a legitimate, like there's working for a major, there's a legitimate path to like, okay, you know, you can like have like a steady job, steady income, like live pretty comfortably, pretty well. Yeah. Working for an independent, it's kind of mm-hmm. a big scale. If you're working for one of like the like you know Jack Jaguar, like yeah, secretly. I was gonna say, can you like kind of describe the scene? Like, what are the what are what are the bigger indie labels? What are the smaller indie labels? Mm, well, I mean, smaller indie labels, like there's sort of an endless number of them. Like, really, like you you think like oh, there's only three. Like, there's only three labels. There's only like Uni Warner and Sony. Yeah, but it's like I mean. There's like there's like thousands, if not tens of thousands, of these small labels that people are running mm-hmm. and releasing music through, mm-hmm. um, which I think is a very exciting opportunity. But none of them are like like they're all things that are maybe sustaining one person, mm. you know. And if you're helping, like you're helping as a, like I'm getting paid like you know twenty dollars an hour part time thing. Right. It's not like uh, it's 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 you have to combine it with something else to make that like to make that work for you. Yeah. Um, and then on the larger scale, you do have like the stuff that I said, like uh, secretly group or um, is probably the biggest in the U S uh, you know, the, uh, the UK does a much better job of supporting their like indie label system. They have like, you I, know, I think that's very true. Like Matador, uh, Domino, um, XL, um, mm-hmm. rough trade, all these like, 
you know. Restaurant space in the UK? I think so, yeah. I oh, think I so. I'm not, I don't want to be, no, I but look like an I idiot. Think, I think I they think are, that's though. very true, but I think part of that, too, is, I mean, and maybe this is, this is, like, because of, like, the the radio, or maybe this is just cultural, but I feel that in the UK, so many, there's much, there's much less of a, um, tight marriage to genres and like hard genres mm. as they come on mm. as they come on the radio as they appear on tv etc and so that allows for the landscape to just exist in a much broader way versus in america like you know even like even if you if you turn on the radio you're gonna hear this this type of music on this station mm. this type of music on this station similar formats even the only thing that really fluctuates over time is that or at least that i've seen it like the lengths of songs that's been the only thing that's kind of like really yeah, yeah, really yeah. shifted but like on a hip-hop station you will always hear hip-hop in the way that like um at any given time that like the genre is most encapsulated by whereas like i feel mm. like in the uk and europe more broadly there's just a lot more flexibility yeah yeah i might be right on that i i, I don't honestly know i i feel like uh you're you're kind of inspiring me to like look at the two markets and, and yeah, do, oh, I, do some sort of analysis. I, Cause I'm like, it is just a much healthier system or at least yeah. it appears to be over there. Um, versus, versus here where it's just yeah, so. It's, uh, and I think too, though, it's, like, it's altogether smaller. Like the, mm-hmm. the audience is smaller. The businesses are smaller. The artists for the most part, except for the ones that cross over really big are. Yeah. Yeah, smaller, yeah. So it's like smaller machines to run. Yeah. Um, but I definitely noticed that. And especially when I was on tour last year, uh, because the artists I was touring with, they're kind of like a more niche. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it took them so long to really be able to establish a fan base here and be able to tour in America, even though they had been touring in Europe since they're like, they started, she was like, I started rapping when I was 26. The first show that I ever booked, no where I thought, like, I'm going to be a professional artist was in Sweden. And that That's was how crazy. I like, got on. And still like now, like that was her first headlining tour in like let's say like six years worth of career whereas like she's been touring europe regularly for the wow. last like three or four that's very interesting yeah so yeah, yeah it's that's... a difference in taste and but i think it translates into a difference in industry as well yeah 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 no the taste taste sounds right i mean it does all start with the listener at the end of the day right mm-hmm. so yeah is there anything happening in the music industry besides you starting your own label that's really exciting you right now no, um, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, uh, yeah, I think. Well, so the, the the I think what is interesting is the sort of death of the um, of the superstar, mm. you know, that's been going on for the past. You know, it's probably been a decade at this point um, mm-hmm. that you could really, if you were to go back and actually like try and like do like an analysis uh, you could you could maybe make that point but um yeah actually think yeah i, I think i might have even uh media i think i may have even have had a report about the uh demonstrating that exact thing but yeah mm-hmm. just like the way that listenership is is sort of becoming super like nicheified like mm-hmm. everyone's kind of finding these own like these own super specific um, niche subcultures online yeah um are that, you a part of any niche subcultures online no, not yet. Um, not yet. Um, I mean, I, I say that because, like, I I think that's the biggest thing moving forward for Big Tent is that mm-hmm. I feel like right now it's sort of me on my own 
working with individual artists who, for the most part, um, at this point in their careers are also fairly on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe like have a few other artists friends, but like, I think getting attached to some sort of scene, especially a scene here in LA, yeah. um, that I can, that, that, uh, that, that resonates with what I'm doing and I resonate with what they're doing, mm-hmm. um, is like, that's kind of a, a really big, um, really big goal for the near term for big tent. Um, mm. but, uh, yeah, I think that stuff's like super important, you know, I think, yeah. um, both in terms of like how you build some sort of sustainable career yeah. in music is like, you know, if, if like, yeah, the top heavy model sort of dying. So mm-hmm. you're of course going to have to sort of create these tight knit clusters of groups now. Right. Um, and I also think it's a more, um, that will that will provide for just more art to be created, more different types of art to cre- be created, more different voices um, to, yeah. to 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 feel meaningful mm-hmm. to people um, because they have meaning to people. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'd say I'd say that's that's what really excites me. I think what the, the I'll sort of caveat with saying that mm-hmm. as long as that is being arbitrated by um, you know, these large data aggregators. Uh, so like spot, like, like basically what has allowed this to happen is like Spotify streaming yeah. services, YouTube, yeah. you know, the, the ease with which music can be shared and put mm-hmm. out there and then, and then packaged together. Yeah. Um, it would, these, it, basically this trend will never reach its, its full potential mm-hmm. if, 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 if it's constantly under the guise of, of those, those platforms. Yeah. Um, because you just can't basically you reach a ceiling in terms of like how much infrastructure you're able to build within your space. Yeah. You know, um, because you could, you're already at like a severe disadvantage in terms of, um, physical infrastructure because that right. stuff costs money and, 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 um, you know, is also very in its own way, um, captured by, by, uh, groups of, of particular interests. And, you know, the same thing is kind of the case to a lesser extent, but getting there on like on, on the digital terms as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I just, I just don't think that, um, you know, both things need to change, but yeah. um, Yeah. Yeah. So I I think digital probably because of where we're at and because of the lower cost, like it's probably more of an ability to change first. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I would say that's that's my one my one caveat yeah. with that. The the whole integration, um, the whole integration of like music into the tech industry, I think has kind of generally been to the to the detriment of of the of like I would say like of the business as a whole, just because mm. kind of kind of like what you were saying earlier when you were like I was working on Spotify and it was flat, or it was it was wide but it wasn't that tall. Yeah the music industry was very similar in the sense that it was very like monopolized, I guess you would say before, like, you know, people talk about like, there was like gatekeepers, like, okay, like you have to, you have to be discovered. That's the way in. You have to know someone, you have to know yeah, this a yeah. da, 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 right? So like people say like, Oh, like it's great that you can just like upload a song to Spotify and that's awesome. But I think the, the conjoining effect of then adding in this whole other yeah. uh, set of interests, set of investors, set of talent, like now in order for a song to get delivered to a fan, s- someone has to know how to build that app. And that person has so much control and, and yeah, absolutely. A, a way different perspective than before when it was like the music industry is trying to decide how music is going to get to fans. Now it's like, 
the music industry wants the music to get to fans. The tech industry will innovate different ways that it can happen. They will choose based on a certain set of factors. And all of that intermediation makes the experience, I think, a, a net loss for everyone. Yeah, that's a really great assessment of how it's all gone down, honestly. Yeah, like... No, I think you just have like these platforms that are super interested in, um, you know, like like keeping their dominancy in the space, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and and it's to their detriment in the long run because you end up creating, like you said, like a mm-hmm. space where people can't sustain themselves um, through doing this anymore. So it's like mm-hmm. you're you're kind of by by sort of trying to capture so much of the market and 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 reign supreme over it you're sort of stopping your your like your your uh, you're inhibiting the, it, that market's ability and i don't even like calling it a market but like that space's ability to like yeah. grow yeah you know um yeah. and in the long run that's going to like bite you in the ass essentially yeah. whereas if you were a player that was more it's like you know i want to help i want to sort of maybe I have this mm-hmm. particular viewpoint, but I'm also willing and, and welcoming to other viewpoints yeah. of how this can like operate and go down. Mm-hmm. Like I think in the long run, you'll find that, Oh, I can still do my thing mm-hmm. while all these other people can do their things. And we don't have to be in such like harsh competition yeah. and, and we can, we can like sustain ourselves for a yeah. lot longer. Yeah. And I think that's like, that's like why like the in, the indie label model still persists through all the, through all these like generations of music technology that we've gone through than even say like Napster. But I, I think what's hard about it is that it's like labels in and of themselves, their idea is of adding value to the product that like they add value and they quote unquote like raise the price. So it's like the musician has made the music, the song is free, right? Then the label comes in and pays for branding, marketing, video, da 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 da, right? So the fan instead of just having a song to listen to has like an artist to be a fan of. Yeah. yeah, That's like the value added. And then that turns into the price that's paid. Whereas like with the intermediation of tech, they take the price down. And that's always what's confused me about like, how can this, Mm. how can this, when the great arc of this industry sort of like reaches its peak, where do we go when like the thing that makes music most available is also the thing that makes it the most like yeah monetarily worthless yeah yeah oh that's yeah i really like how you phrased that um thanks bro yeah no totally i i I think um uh the 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 way in which the the mass accessibility of music has not Mm -hmm. like because i think music can be like widely accessible and easily accessible Mm -hmm. but still be valued very Mm -hmm. significantly Mm -hmm. we just have not followed that path essentially we have Mm -hmm. not thought about how we could like it's not a matter of like oh we gotta lock it all up again yeah it's like how do we build these products these platforms these spaces Mm -hmm. that people are going to exist on and, and go on to listen to music interact with music interact with musicians yeah in a way where they are um they they create additional value rather than just being purely like you know like totally extractive as they currently are yeah yeah really interesting stuff so talk to me about your label and you're on you've done three projects so far yeah 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 i'm number three can you talk about on projects one and two how did you how how do you as running your organization 
think about who you're going to partner with and what projects you're going to sign on to and what projects you're not? Um, yeah, I mean, I like, uh, it's, it's, it's not a ton of thought goes into it. I would say really it's in, in terms of like, I don't sit down and I'm like, okay. And then I want like this type of artist and I, and like, Mm -hmm. it's going to sound like I don't pre, I don't like do any sort of like preconceiving of like that, but Mm -hmm. generally it's like, if, uh, here's something I really like it. I'll have some, like, I just kind of have like a feeling, a belief in it. Okay. And I'm just like, I'm going to, I'm going to try and follow that and, mm-hmm. and see where that, where that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of broadly, I guess what happens. And then I'm also with the label, like the really, like the, in addition to just wanting to start the thing, like I was also very mm-hmm. inspired by the fact that I have all these friends yeah. who are making all this music and have an interest in, in putting it out mm-hmm. and, you know, like, like, and not just in like, a, Oh, you know, like put this up on SoundCloud and now you can listen to it, but you know, putting it out with, with those, those elements that you mentioned that a label brings. Yeah. And I was like, I could, I could offer that to them essentially as, as, as help. So, so supporting, the people around me um, mm-hmm. and, and those, those sort of like first level connections was also a very big aspect of it. Um, mm-hmm. So, so yeah, with both of them, like with, with Miguel Polygid, uh, it was the first release and, and uh, Oliver mm-hmm. um, who's been like the second release. Um, they were both people that I had actually worked with like just a year before mm-hmm. uh, Miguel. I knew in college, Oliver and from high school mm-hmm. Um and, you know, I really liked their music, liked what they were doing. I had a belief in just, you know, generally like seeing that I was like, these are talented individuals who have a mm-hmm. particular perspective on the world. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we could we could make something cool together. Yeah. You know, yeah. And that's 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 sort of that's sort of it. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Very cool. And now I want to talk about me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> My yeah. favorite topic. So. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to drum and voice first of all what's your favorite song um it's either numb mm-hmm. or jupiter mm, jupiter's a good one um i'm leaning towards numb i think just because at this point in time we've got like the, yeah, the we've nice, been listening to it a lot the yeah. nice polished mix back so um yeah but yeah i like those i like those mm-hmm. two songs i also really like taj mahal I like deeper a lot to the the two shorter tracks, mm-hmm. uh, water and song to They're all really good. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think so too. I think they're all dope. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, okay, well, you know, in listening to that album, what a, was there something about it that made you think like I, I was there a specific thing that made you think like okay, I want to do this now. Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, the first thing that really stood out to me was that the production was just something I just had not really heard before mm-hmm. um like and brought me very strongly back to um uh, postal service and kind of like like when when computers were first being combined combined with like indie pop mm-hmm. um and yeah just kind of had this openness this emptiness to it that was still very interesting um and arresting mm-hmm. and so that was like like I was like I really haven't heard anything that like everything sounds so full and so big mm-hmm. um, now or it's like if it's not that it's kind of like this like it's so like uh, guitar rock yeah you know oriented yeah. that I'm like I'm, I, I was just like this is like neither that nor this in mm-hmm. this space so I was I, I was really excited by that 
and then um, the uh, just the writing, the the lyrics on it, mm-hmm. I think were just were 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 awesome. You know, I think um, like yeah, you just you you have a, a great way of um, stating of just observing things that mm-hmm. are going on around you, things or things that, that you're feeling um, in such a way that's, it's not complicated, but it's still very mm-hmm. profound. It's still, it still reaches you and connects with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, uh, I was talking about like this with, with Sylvia actually, um, uh, about like kind of our, our current interests in, in writing and, and, and mm-hmm. art in general. Mm-hmm. And, she was like, you know, I'm really interested in the, uh, the, the, uh, universality that can be found in the specific. Mm-hmm. And I'm interested in the specificity that can be found in the universality. Mm. And I feel like with you, you have like, yes, these are events that are about like your life, but you're telling mm-hmm. them in a very like open m- manner mm-hmm. that invites everybody in. And mm. so to, ha- to insert their own like particular like experience there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, those were those were the two aspects that like that that, that really uh, sealed it for me. I yeah, suppose. and what have you? Well, first of all, I agree with everything you just said. <laughs> I, think I think that's right on the money. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think I'm awesome. I agree. Um, what have you? What have you thought about this this album process that we've been going through? And what has it been like from your end? Oh yeah, you <laughs> judge it while we're still in it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, uh, the, up until this point, so honestly, it's right been now pretty we're rough. like, uh, we're like no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm actually, you guys, I'm really horrible to work with. <laughs> <laughs> this, this dude, no, I, uh, it's been, it's been great. I think, um, I think like what I love working with you, why, why I love working with you is because you have such a clear. Um, perspective on like this is what i want this is what i don't mm-hmm. stuff that i don't want or the stuff that i don't or, and then uh, or the things i'm not thinking about like mm-hmm. you know like open like i'm willing yeah. to go kind of wherever but there's mm-hmm. not that sort of like y- y- there's just very clear lines i think yeah. around things and mm-hmm. that makes it super easy mm-hmm. to to be collaborative with one another yeah. I, I find um you know so that's that's been it's been a really really awesome process so far i think when you're an artist working with the label i actually i learned this from do you know the singer named curly no k-e-r-l-i she's estonian but she was signed with um ellie reed whenever he was still at epic and she was signed like for a long time yeah whatever you know how it goes it all went to it all went to whatever whatever. she's still really cool though she's still in she's in estonia her last album was really sick but she said like one of the one of the mistakes that i made because she got signed like she was 18 fresh up fresh out of estonia like and she like you know went to new york whatever was that she was like i resisted the label because i thought like i'm my own artist i want to do my i want to do my own thing i have a clear vision of what i want and how i want to do it but I didn't have a good understanding of what the label was there for. And that was part of the problem. And if I had understood that some of the things that I really fought from an artistic perspective, I would have embraced more when Mm. I realized that like the only way for me to get value out of this relationship is to let them do their job sometimes. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Yeah. I mean, that's really a big, that's like a, huge aspect of the label, I think, and why I like to operate, collaboratively or uh, you know that's just been how it's gone for mm-hmm. um the three p- 
people I've worked with so far uh, is because I really think there's a huge value in breaking down that like labels appear, I think to people as like these black boxes Mm -hmm. that like, okay, I get signed, they give me money and then I become like, you know, really popular. And it's Mm -hmm. like, there's like, there's so many steps within that. There's so many moving parts within that. Mm -hmm. And I think, building an awareness within like an artist's uh, head about, mm-hmm. about what people can and can do for you, how this thing actually works yeah. um, and, and what aspects there are to, to have an influence on or have mm-hmm. a perspective on is super important for artists to then be able to do this more for themselves or to sort of be more of the, cause right now, like music gets made around the label, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like artists attach themselves to a label. Yeah. And it's like, I think that all the services that a label offers should be Mm -hmm. attached to an artist. Mm. So we have to move to this more like artist centric place in order to be, in in order to be more sustainable. Mm -hmm. Um, And that doesn't happen unless the artist, like the artist, like knows what the fuck they need. Yeah. You know? So, um, yeah. 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 I think I was telling my friend this, they were like, Nick, like, why did you sign now? Why sign now? And I was like, it's only the, up. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, the reason, the reason why I sign now is that like, I know very clearly what someone else can do for me that I don't want to do anymore. I don't want to look for the mixing and mastering engineering. Mm-hmm. I want someone else to do that. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to, I, maybe I could in theory, I could design everything and I could put together everything, but like, I don't, I don't want to anymore. I want someone else. I want someone else to do it. Mm-hmm. I want someone else to hook it up. I don't want to be logging on to distrokid.com anymore and like tearing, tearing apart royalty statements. I don't want to do it. I want someone else to be there to like, um, yeah, fill in, fill in, fill in gaps, fill in support and, and make it so that you can have, um, just an overall like better experience for me, like put, putting out this project versus all the ones that I've done before. This has been the longest process, but it's been the easiest because cool. there is that like there is that delegation and there are things you just don't have to worry about and it also makes the other parts like more uh more like pleasurable like in the sense yeah of, like, yeah yeah i was like writing the charts yesterday for the show and i was like this is just so nice this is all i have to do this week okay <laughs> this is this is awesome I was like all right it's already booked it's already done all right i just gotta show up and tell them all right yeah it's, it's yeah. cool no I, i'm glad to hear that and uh yeah yeah it's it, it's important to like know what those things are, identify mm-hmm. them, identify what you want and don't want on your plate. And then, um, yeah. you know, just, just still have like a, a, a an insight into them, but mm-hmm. you don't have to be the one actually carrying out all the stuff yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. And I think that's, it's, it's good. It's good to be indie for a while. I think that was a really good decision. I got signed when I was like 15. I ended up getting, I've, I've told you this before. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I got signed when I was like 15, ended up getting dropped, whatever was the whole thing. But I'm like now looking back on, I feel like it was so m- much of a, I feel like the future is so much brighter having had like seven years of doing it by myself. And now as I move into this period of like working with other people and, and totally. doing big, bigger projects and like scaling up, it feels also too like a much less stressful process. Cause I know like this is how it's going to go and this is how it needs to be. Cool. I'm glad, I'm yeah. glad to hear that. But anyway, let's move on. Uh, Nick, besides my album Drum and Voice, which is available <laughs> now and is awesome, what other music are you listening to? Um, I'm pretty open in terms of what I listen to. Um, no, but like what, like this morning, like you woke up. What did like, I listen to this morning? Yeah. Um, oh, geez. So, 
Yeah, this morning I listened to this, uh, this sort of, um, this is like a drum and bass project, kind of like um, liquid drum and bass, I guess mm-hmm. you, you may call it. Um, but uh, yeah, it's called Level Select mm-hmm. by Pizza Hotline. Okay. Um, <laughs> Sick band. Very name. good album, um, <laughs> despite the name. But uh-huh. uh, or, uh, but uh, yeah, I was listening to that. I mm-hmm. Just kind of been into that space because the first um, release on the label um, yeah. is it's called Sensory Shell mm-hmm. by Polygod. It uh, is a also like a ambient drum and bass album essentially. Yeah. So I've just kind of gotten into that space, gotten an ear for it, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. So that's what I was listening to today. Mm-hmm. More generally, but that I wouldn't say I've been super into that. That was kind of just something I had on my radar and wanted to check out. And yeah. then, but more recently, the past couple of weeks, I've been really into uh, Detroit techno. Hmm. I've been reading a book about the the sort of genre, its development. Yeah. Um, and going back and listening to basically whatever gets mentioned in the book, I'll try and go yeah. check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's been really cool because. I've been listening to dance music for a few years now, um, mm-hmm. and, and, and quite a lot of it. Yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't call myself, like, uh, an expert or anything like that, but, but mm-hmm. I have a fair understanding of, like, the space and the different genres. But mm-hmm. uh, I think with techno, my understanding was always that it was very, like, it was this very super harsh yeah. and heavy type mm-hmm. of music. Yeah. And realizing that, like, the stuff that was coming out of Detroit, which is the place that it was originating, it originated from, is, like, mm-hmm. this very, like, soulful and experimental, yeah. um, you know, kind of electronic funk yeah. music was really eye-opening. And mm-hmm. so it's been super cool to, um, yeah, just, I, I don't know, I've been, been really infatuated with, with that as of late. Like, it's like, mm-hmm. I'm like, it's just... I would love to hear, I'm sure there's people making this stuff still today, yeah. but I'm like, why isn't this like a bigger thing kind yeah, of yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm like, uh-huh. dance music kind of got, it got like shipped over to Europe because it, it, people didn't get it in America at yes. the time. Yeah. So it got shipped over to Europe and that's where like this kind of separate history um, mm-hmm. got made for it. And that's why the perception is the one that I had. Yeah. But it's like, there's this whole other like route that things could have gone. And mm-hmm. I'm like. Oh geez, like what could we have done? Like, yeah. like what, what, what could have like evolved from that more yeah. so? Um, so I'm sure I'll get there over time in terms mm-hmm. of like where that where that's cropped up. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's been that's been uh, in rotation. That's that's really cool. What like years is that? What years is like the Detroit house boom? Detroit techno is like uh, like early '80s. Early yeah, 80s. that's when it kind of uh-huh. starts ramping up. Yeah. I think I have this theory that like American culture really hasn't moved forward past 1970 and also that anything new that happened between then and now kind of gets like memory hold and what's memory hold memory hold is when like things just get forgotten. Mm. Like they just get forgotten. Like they just kind of get erased. Like we all understand them and know them for a time. And then all of a sudden it's like, it's like, it didn't exist. Like people think like, dance music came from Europe, but like, well, it's, yeah, that, that is simple. a pretty crazy or one. like Jack yeah. Carlo thinks he's the best white rapper since Eminem. When Sean was here, like I was there in 2011. <laughs> like I was, like, Whoa. I, was I was there. Um, Sean, Wow. Yeah. But anyway, that is a memory hole. Oh man. I love Sean. Anyway. Uh, last question for you, Nick. Um, what do you want to be doing in five years? What do I want to be doing in five years? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, running the label still um mm-hmm. ideally by that time working with a few other 
uh, well, I, I don't know. Could I'm pretty open in terms of what it becomes. Uh, definitely mm-hmm. want to it to be a more like um, just have more people involved yeah. in it. Um, you know, and also would like to be kind of th- again, you know, under the big tent have other people doing exactly it, 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 what I'm doing, essentially. Mm. So I'd like to have other people through Big Tent, like, running their sort of own operations, like, like seeking out their own artists and just, like, sharing yeah. those resources. Um, so that would be really sick. And, um, yeah, and then also, you know, uh, kind of have some sort of... I think a big thing that's, that's missing... Um, in the American indie market is Mm -hmm. a sense of community among labels. Like I see all these, you have like, you know, like again, like secretly group, there's like kind of a collection there, but Mm -hmm. like for the most part, I feel like a lot of these labels operate in silos from one another. Yeah. Very disconnected. And I feel like there's like a huge opportunity for just like more like of, uh, just to, to, to link up and, Mm -hmm. and, um, have more of a, um, uh, more of a say in in how things get developed because right mm-hmm. now, like as as fractured as the space is, like there, there's no competing against like the three headed monster. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think that's like another like to to be to be sort of making mm-hmm. making those connections or part of that organizing. Yeah. Um, would also be a really cool thing. Um, I don't know if that's I don't know how long that is from now, but mm-hmm. yeah, those would be two things in well, five years. I hope five years so when we do the next season of the pod i can be like wow perfect timing yeah this yeah is crazy yeah. <laughs> yeah all right nick well thanks so much for coming on the pod it's always great to talk to you yeah thanks so I'll much for having see you me tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll see you yeah. i'll <laughs> see you later we'll talk, yeah, we'll, we'll talk more soon all right thanks everyone you've been listening to elitist anthropology i'm nicholas um a big shout out to Raylan for always assisting with all the episodes and also to sydney our engineer all right everyone have a great day thanks so much ciao